So officially, good morning, Frontline family. Welcome to everyone that is watching online, and welcome to those who are in the house today. So good to have our church reopen this morning, and so good to see some of your faces in person again. We have really missed our Frontline family, and we just thank the Lord for bringing us through this season. I think you will agree that it has been one of the most uncertain seasons of our lives, but we serve a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He is not uncertain about anything, and nothing takes Him by surprise. And as we enter into a new season of the church, let us never forget that we serve a God that says He'll never leave us nor forsake us. A God that is omnipotent and omnipresent. A God that is sovereign. A God that establishes His church, and He says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen? And we gather together this morning as, an, as a church in the house and the online community to bring Him glory and unite as a body to stand against the forces of darkness. Let's pray together and commit this time to the Lord. So Father God, we come to you today and we submit our lives and all that we are to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to thank you for the privilege of being able to gather again this morning and we thank you that you not only established your church and that you built your church, but you are head of the church. And so we pray that you would come and take your rightful place in our midst this morning and lead us and guide us by your Spirit. Lead us into all truth today as we study your Word and let your Word be established in our hearts and our minds so that we would become people that accurately reflect, reflect your glory and advance your kingdom mission in this world. And Lord, as I bring this message, I pray that you would anoint my lips and the ears of those listening. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, church, it's so good to be with you here this morning. And it's a privilege once again for me to bring you the Word of God. And today I want to speak to you about this word, koinonia. It's probably a word that not many of you have heard before. But I'm trusting that once you understand the meaning of this word, once you understand the significance of this word and what it means for our Christian journey and our spiritual maturity, it'll be a word that you won't easily forget in the future. So just by way of definition, the word koinonia is a Greek word that means fellowship, association, community, communion, or joint participation. And what I'm trusting and hoping is that the Lord will help us to show us and help us understand today is the significance of Christian fellowship and what it means to have an association or be in a community of believers that are brought together in communion with the Lord that stand against the forces of darkness in this world. And why it's important for the church to gather together. Why it is important for Christians to attend the local church. And I realize that, you know, this is something that we've all been restricted from doing over the past couple of months due to lockdown. So this is no indictment on any of you. You didn't really have much of a choice in the matter. But I really feel led to share this message this morning because I believe if we're not careful, we'll become comfortable with having a flat screen church experience Sunday after Sunday. And I'm by no means discounting what the Lord has done in this period since we've been in lockdown because we've learned so much and we've, we've grown so much. When lockdown happened, we had to go online that same week and we had to learn how to record and then eventually go live to get the word and worship out every Sunday. 
And you may have seen where we started and how we've grown. We've grown, but we're still learning. And the Lord has used this platform to grow our online community. And we now have families that are able to join us at a number of different locations around the country and even some parts of the world. Even our connect groups had to gather together online on, on Wednesday evenings. And some of our, our connect group leaders that were, shall we say, a little bit technically challenged in the beginning now are very afraid with how to do this. So we certainly don't discount how the Lord has used us for His glory and prepared us in this process, church, for what He has in store for us in the future. But what we must be mindful of is that we don't slip into a routine of thinking that church online is the same as the church physically gathering together. Because it's not the same thing. And again, this is no indictment on any of you. And you may decide to stay at home for a, a period of time for everything to settle for a, a number of reasons, and that's okay. I just want you to know from a biblical perspective what it means to have Christian fellowship and why it is so important for our spiritual journey. Now, church, I'm not sharing this message with you today because it's our first Sunday back, and I want everyone that else is that's not in the house to feel guilty. No. I'm sharing this message with you because this issue goes a lot deeper than what we're just experiencing in the natural. It's really a spiritual issue. Because if the enemy can get us comfortable with having relationships online and doing church online, he will be able to diffuse the power of the body of Christ. And I know that's a, a very bold statement, but if we're not aware of the enemy's tactics, we're going to walk straight into his trap and we can become an ineffective and powerless church. Because you see, the very essence of life in the church is relational. And relational not in a superficial way, but in a very intense and deep and profound way. The model, of course, for that is the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in that eternal relationship of love. And we being created in God's image are made for relationship. And the purest and highest of those relationship categories exist in the life of those who belong to God and who share His life. You know, the New Testament tells us about Jesus, how He came and He made His abode with us. He came to live with us. He took on humanity and He lived with us. And when He departed from the earth, He sent His Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And as Christians, we are one in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 to 16, the Apostle Paul speaks about this reality and he says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him the whole body joined and held together by every support in itself up in love as each part does its work. And this is a theme that runs throughout the New Testament. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then in Philippians chapter 2 from verses 1 to 5 it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort in, from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, 
if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And you see, church, Christianity is relational at its core. It is relational in the most intense and most spiritual and most eternal way. And this is the way that it should be in the life of the church. You know, in the Second World War, there was a Lutheran pastor whose name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer was executed by special order from Heinrich Himmler, who was Hitler's executioner. Bonhoeffer was arrested two years prior to his execution, and he was transferred from one concentration camp to another over and over again. And in all that moving around, he lost contact with anyone he ever knew. He lost, he, he lost complete, he was completely cut off from the outside world, and he lost the most precious thing that he possessed. And you know what that was? It was fellowship. He was a pastor of an underground church, and he valued fellowship so much that he wrote a book called Life Together. And in one of the quotes from that book, he says, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. A physical sign of the gracious presence of the triune God. How inexhaustible are the riches that open up for those who by God's will are privileged to live in the daily fellowship of life with other Christians. He also said, let him who has such a privilege thank God on his knees and declare it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in fellowship with Christians. What an amazing statement. And as it turned out, he never got to experience that fellowship in this world ever again. And you see, church, Bonhoeffer was right. Because the New Testament, this is how the New Testament defines the church. As Christ's church, we are described as one bride with one husband. One set of branches connected to one vine. One flock with one shepherd. One kingdom with one king. One family with, with one father. One building with one foundation. And then most significantly, one body with one head. And this is our unique identity. We are defined, as I read earlier, as a body. Spiritually connected together mutually ministering to each other connected by a common eternal life given to us by God it is essential to who we are as Christians it is the very essence of who we are when the Lord prayed in John chapter 17 that they may be one he wasn't just talking about us being able to get along with each other he was praying to the father that all who would come to him would be one spiritually and that prayer that Jesus prayed is answered in the church as the body of Christ. We are spiritually connected and designed for shared life, shared love, shared purpose, shared ministry, shared truth, and shared power. This is fellowship. This is church. The word 
Koinonia is used over 25 times in the New Testament in its verb and noun forms. And it is the idea of a mutual dependency, a partaking, a contributing, a sharing, a linking together as partners with a common life and a common cause. In other words, we're not just one kingdom, not just one family, we are one body. And that's probably the most powerful way to describe the interdependency of the fellowship of the church. And that's why your enemy would love for you to rather create your own, own private virtual reality and decide what type of church you would prefer to be to be a part of every Sunday and what type of Christian playlist you want to listen to every Sunday. Because he knows the power of a church that operates in, in koinonia. And you see, church, if we're not awake, if we're not alert to the enemy's attempts, that's where we're going to end up. Because our whole world has moved from a mindset of fellowship to a mindset of, of privacy. Yes, it's taken a couple of generations, but we're slowly moving from a world into a world where we can create our own private virtual reality with what suits us best. Us best. And where no one else can give you guidance and keep you accountable. If you just think for a moment, and, and I'm not just talking about the church, but just think how much has changed over the past 40 to 50 years. I can remember my parents telling me how, about, how special it was to go to the driving and watch movies for the first time. Watching on this, this massive screen. And you know, it would be a, an experience where you, you would invite a lot of friends. It would be a group experience. And to go to the cinema those days was, was a real outing, you know. You would dress up to the, the nines just to go and watch a movie. And it was a group experience. And what has happened over the past few decades is that our screens have moved from public screens to the most private screens as small as an iPad or an iPhone. So small and so private that every person becomes the creator of his own private world. A secret world, church, of, of preferences and unlimited temptations. Technology has put in the hand of most of us the access to any form of indulgence that you choose. You choose your relationships. You choose who gets to be a part of your world and who doesn't. You can become your own God in a sense because you can create your own private universe. Your own universe that, that involves no risk to yourself, no giving of yourself to others, no true vulnerability, no commitment, no sacrifice, and no real meaning and value. Real fellowship cannot exist in the world of self-created avatars. It requires real persons created by God. Christianity is not a private experience. Church is not a private experience. And church, the reason I'm making such a strong statement about this today is because the enemy will allow us to think that it's okay to be like the rest of the world and follow the trends of this world. He will allow us to think that it's okay when government says that church is not an essential service. But it's not okay. And even though the technological age is here to stay, we need to remember that it can't replace real relationships. And that's why this word koinonia has become so meaningful to me, because we need each other. We don't function properly without each other. The church, which is you and I, basically grows up to Christ's likeness by the mutual ministry of spiritual gifts. If you keep, keep the church separated, you short-circuit our life, our growth, and 
our testimony. So as we go through this word, I would just ask that you would open up your heart and your mind to understand how vital our fellowship is, how necessary the church is and how critical it is for us to be together. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, That which we have seen and heard and we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And every time I mention the word fellowship in Scripture this morning, it's actually the word koinonia. Our fellowship is the fellowship of those who are connected to the Father and the Son, which means that salvation is the basis of our fellowship. You see, the goal of the gospel was not just deliverance from eternal hell. It was that, but it includes fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, when He said, Make them one as, as we are one. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. Fellowship is the linking together of those who commonly possess the life of God granted through faith in Christ. Church, this is big. We are in the fellowship by salvation, and we're in it forever. Our fellowship is with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and with every other Christian. And it is an unending and eternal fellowship because we will spend eternity with a triune God and with every other believer. And every genuinely converted believer is entitled and expected to enjoy the full fellowship of the redeemed. Whatever their background, whatever their condition, whatever their economics, whatever their race, and whatever their status. Because the basis of the fellowship is salvation. And it's the only fellowship that can break through all boundaries. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-7, to 7, John is speaking about fellowship with God and with one another. And he says, This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. You know what? That's a powerful statement right there. John says you're either in the light or you're in the darkness, which means you're either saved or you're lost. You're in the fellowship or you're out. And he says it's not what you say. It's what you do, how you live, and how you walk. And if you're truly in the fellowship, then you will walk, as verse 7 says, in the light, the light of truth and virtue. And you will enjoy the fellowship with others that are also in the light. And you are continually being cleansed of your sin. Verse 9 adds, If we are confessing our sin, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, one of the characteristics of people in the light is their willingness to confess. They're always in the fellowship. They're always walking in light. They're always confessing their sins and they're always being cleansed of their sins. And this is where Christianity becomes a little bit uncomfortable, doesn't it? This is where the, the rubber hits the road. 
Because this is where it becomes real. This is where it becomes relational. And this is where it might not fit into your private world of, of self-created preferences. But church, what I want you to see today, and that within Koinonia is not only unity and fellowship and power, but there's covenant protection in, in fellowship. Because you may have drifted from the way into some form of sin, but if you're in the fellowship, if you remain connected in the fellowship, you have a safety net that will prevent you from being lost overboard into a sea of eternal darkness. That's what it says in James chapter 5, verses 19 to 20. It says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And just to be sure you don't become self-righteous when correcting a brother, Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. And you see, church, this type of accountability, this type of relationship, fellowship, it can't happen outside of the body of Christ. It can't happen in, in isolation. And it can't happen in a private world that you've, you've created. There's, there is security in, in koinonia. In Christ, we are stronger together. When the body is working together, we are an unstoppable force. And it's in the coming together that we grow spiritually and walk in the fullness of what the Lord has planned for us. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 14, Paul is speaking about the church and he says, Jesus himself has given the following to the church. He has given the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of, of Christ. Why? until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Again, why? So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. You know, church, this is so important. These officers that operate in the church, they operate in koinonia. They operate in fellowship. And this is how we are brought to maturity in Christ. And you know what the amazing thing is? We all have a part to play. Each and every single one of us. We are not meant to be spectators. We are meant to be participators and contributing parts of, of the body. And we are uniquely designed by God to serve a specific purpose in the body. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. It goes on to say in verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part 
of the body. If the whole body were an ear or an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as, as He chose. If we were all a single member, in other words, if you're all running on your own as a lone ranger, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And very importantly, church, if you think for some reason the ministry that you're involved in is in some way insignificant, look at what it says from verse 21. It says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on the parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts, in other words, those ministries that we don't get to see that are behind the scenes, are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. It's, it's so incredible how the Lord has put the, the body of Christ together. And church, I hope you're starting to see, as I did, the importance of, of koinonia. It's God's desire that we operate as one. That we would link arms, that we would partner together in ministry, because therein lies the power of, Christian, of the Christian life. Therein lies the power of the body of Christ working together that the forces of darkness cannot come against. You know, when I was going through this word and studying this word and, and meditating on these amazing scriptures, I got an image in my mind of a herd of buffalo. And if you know buffalo, when they're in a herd together, they are pretty much an unstoppable force. I've seen many videos, as I'm sure you have, of how lions or other predators have tried to attack a herd of buffalo and how they try and find some weakness somewhere in the herd and to often attack the weakest member. But have you seen how they respond? They gather together and they form a wall of defense around the, the weakest members in the herd. And they will put their lives on the line for, for everybody, for the whole herd. They gather together. They are powerful animals in their own right, but if they wander off on their own, they're open to the cunning attacks of, of the enemies. And it's usually in those moments when they find themselves on their own, away from the herd, where they are most vulnerable. And that's when the attack comes. And I don't know if you've ever seen the video where a young buffalo gets separated from his herd and gets attacked on the edge of a dam of water by a pack of lions. And he gets tackled and mauled into the water by these lions and they, they start pulling me out the water. And all of a sudden a crocodile comes from behind and grabs this buffalo. And so what you're having is you're having a tug of war between the lions and this, this poor buffalo, right? After a few moments, the lions eventually manage to win this battle. They pull him out the water and get him in position to start eating him. But just as they are start to, about to devour him, right? A congregation of about 40, 40 buffalo come and, and come to the rescue. 
And what they start doing, they start charging these lines and they start flipping them in the air. And one by one, these lines give up and, and they run, run off. And the young buffalo is rescued. And you know, church, it made me think it's the same with us. Being in Christian fellowship protects us from the attacks of the enemy. We stray off and we can get pulled in different directions by the forces of darkness, but the body is there to pull you out of the mouth of the devourer. Why? Because Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. You can give the Lord a hand for that, yes. And so as I start to close this morning, and maybe the worship team can come up again, I want to encourage you this morning to consider, church, the power of koinonia. And it is my prayer that we will be a church of people that not only grasp this truth, but that we will commit our lives to this truth, even to the point of laying our, our lives down for one of the members of the body. We are all one in Christ Jesus. We are one body. And let us never be complacent about the significance and impact of this truth. And as we head into this new season of the church and, and the church globally, let's be mindful of the subtle attacks of the enemy to separate us and let's unite the church and be a beacon of light in a world that is full of darkness, in a world that, that needs hope, in a world that needs a Savior. If you want to be a part of a church like that, you are welcome to shout amen. amen. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word today. And we just pray that this word would fall into fertile soil and, and produce fruit in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for establishing your church and for paying such a price that we could have the privilege of being a part of the body of Christ. As we enter into this new season, Lord, we pray for your grace on our lives and our church, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would guide and lead each part of this body to operate together and grow together to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. As we are one spirit with you, help us to realize the power of the body working together, growing together, and standing together for the purposes of king and kingdom. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen, Frontline Church. Thank you so much for joining us here this morning. We're just going to end with a, a song of worship. Have a blessed Sunday further. Please don't forget to look at the details at the end of the message today. Please don't forget to register for those who are coming next week and the weeks thereafter. It was so good to have everyone in the house this morning. Have a blessed Sunday further. We love you very much.